to the next podcast. Who's next? Who's next? That was beautiful. In his podcast. This is Who's Next Podcast, and uh, <clears throat> to kick this off, we got an update. So, I did one episode, and uh, you know what, let me introduce my guest first. Uh, Mr. Nana, why don't you say hello from Blurred Over Us. What's going on, guys? It feels like it's been ages since I've last spoken to you, or even been on that episode. I talk to you all the time on Facebook Messenger, but in terms of yeah. audio chat, it's been a minute. Yeah, it kind of has been since I've been either a guest on yours or you on mine and uh, mm. and all that. So it's true. But, you know, uh, things have been a little weird, too, around here, especially with the storm that just hit recent. But um, so part of this, too, is the update. I'm probably going to have some more rotating uh, guests because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what Kevin's situation is. In fact, I just messaged him today. I haven't really heard back from yeah. him. I mean, I've, I've heard he's okay. Like He has messaged me saying, like, oh, yeah, he went here for the storm. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I also heard from Eric that his like his home is okay. And, like, so some of that stuff sounds fine. But I know their yeah. internet is pretty shoddy. It's rough. He's not really responding mm-hmm. as frequently to me. So I don't yeah. know what his situation might be. So um, I'm trying to rope Patrick in to doing some more. But I do prefer Kevin had a schedule to where he was open during the day, Tuesday, Wednesday yeah. during the day for me, I'm off now. And so like it's preferable because most of the time my kids are at school, my wife's at work, so the house is empty. You know? And yeah, it's a better yeah. time to record than telling my wife and kids, Can you stay in your room while I do two hour recording? <laughs> you know, yeah, what I'm saying? shut up, don't make no noise, don't come out in yeah. your room. <laughs> and they actually do respect it and I mean it's not like I do it frequently, you know, like it's yeah, uh yeah. episode a week. So doing it in the midday like this is more preferable. So I'm glad because mm-hmm. especially with our time differences, that actually works out I think fairly decent. In fact, we yeah. might even try and do some more recordings together if you're down for it. That would probably be optimal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, normally, um, if I'm not working, then obviously I'm just I'm just chilling, especially around these times. Yeah. Um, and then now that I'm I'm still in training, I'm working on I work early shifts. Mm. I'm normally done my work by like two o'clock. Yeah. All right, but then that's cool. So you never know. We might hear some more Nana on here. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so the gaming episodes are going to be weird. Uh, I have you lined up this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Then I'm probably doing a movie. I think the next one might be um, Senya. I believe is how you say her name. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Queen she of cosplay. Yeah, she jumped in some of my streams and we chatted a bit. And so um, I asked, you know, hey, you know, I need some more guests, and I've heard her on Nerds before. So she was like, yeah, she's cool. To, to do it yeah, so that's cool I'm gonna have to see about getting Wasteland I might see about getting him back on again um, Aaron and Jesse mm-hmm. if they're able to and just do some stuff yeah. and I mean if I can I'll, I'll try and get Patrick to be a little more consistent but he's always on the movies so I don't want to stretch yeah. him out I, I've moved him over there because he doesn't he don't really play games as much 
like mm-hmm. me and Kevin do. So, but he does watch all the Marvel movies. He's super into that stuff. I think a little more so than gaming. Yeah. So that's why I moved him over there with yeah, Renee. Well, huh? Yeah, that's calm. I was gonna say, yeah, that's calm. Like obviously, I, I like obviously, you know, I watch Kev's streams as well. And, like he knows his gaming in it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, when those storm, all, all the shit that gets done with a storm gets finished, yeah, you lock and you know, everyone's in there can go back to normal. Everyone can be back in their houses and mm-hmm. back to normal, I guess. Yeah, so like I did release an episode with me and Renee, and it was like right when I got back, whenever power came back on, me and Renee mm-hmm. got together and we did like an episode with us two, just talking about the storm situation, how it was, and how we came back, and all that kind of shit. And then we talked a little bit of movies and stuff that we've been watching as well. Uh, me and the guys actually did a road trip. We had to drive out to Baton Rouge. We had to drive like an hour and a half away to watch Shang-Chi because none of the theaters are open around here. So mm. we uh, did a little road trip and watched Shang-Chi. So we will be talking about that. Uh, the next episode after this releases will be another movies and comics and we'll be chatting up that as well as a number of other things. Probably some more what if and all that good stuff. Mm. Um, so you can be looking forward to that. And also I've been getting into Tokyo Revenger as well. So you'll probably hear some of that too because uh, Renee's nice. deep into it. Um, but here we've got a gaming episode again. So it's good to be able to do that. Uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of like sports gaming talk because, you know, I never really, I played sports games growing up. But I never, mm-hmm. it's never something that's been a highlight for me. It's never been something that, and then now I don't even play them at all. So, but I know you haven't played them as much in recent, but I know since we've, since we've been podcasting and doing stuff even together, I've saw you do the FIFA stuff and you, you, you keep up with yeah. sports games at least a little more than I do. So, yeah. um, I thought it'd be a good discussion to have this, something I've never really discussed. So, uh, but before we get into that, I do have a couple of things on topic. Um, I did want to bring up, and I don't have too much deep information, but um, apparently now the SEC is also going after Activision Blizzard and suing them behind these allegations. We talked about this before on the podcast. I don't know how much, Nana, are you familiar with what's going on with Activision Blizzard? No, not really. Okay, so you, do you know who Activision Blizzard is? Like, they're responsible yeah, for that, the that, Call of Duty. Um, I want to say Blizzard is... Oh, what's that game? Oh, no. How's that gone out? Overwatch, is that Blizzard? I believe so, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think you're right. I think Blizzard is behind Overwatch. They also do World of Warcraft. They also do Call of Duty, which is Activision, does Call of Duty. Um, they're probably one of the biggest video game companies in the world current. Uh, and... What happened was uh, the state of California, I think that's kind of where they operate out of, one of their main offices. And um, the state brought up a lawsuit against the company saying that it was a toxic work environment. There were women coming back talking about how they were being like uh, more than just felt uncomfortable. It almost sounded like there was even possible sexual assaults. Uh, one, they claim one woman uh, killed, committed suicide and killed herself because she went off with her boss and he brought all types of sex toys. And um, through whatever pressures or whatnot, there's an allegation there of a suicide attempt. Oh, not attempt. She actually did die. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, 
So it's it's pretty serious allegations brought against the company. Now the SEC, which is like the major financial institution for America, is apparently backing or getting behind this and going after Activision Blizzard as well. So it's just getting to be a bigger and bigger clusterfuck for this company. So this is this is gonna be something. You know. So and it sounds like the more and more information comes out at first, Activision Blizzard was kind of like, nah, this ain't true. We we don't agree with what these allegations are, blah, blah, blah. But as more and more times progress, employees have done walkouts and stuff. It definitely sounds like something is going on over there. And it's not good. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope the best for everybody involved that um, people who were hurt, if you know those things came to pass or are like that gets handled. But... I would say it's something to definitely keep your eyes on. I mean, shit, especially if you're a big Call of Duty fan and all that kind of stuff. And it almost brings the question, too, like, you know, if a lot of this stuff comes out and we see, like, hey, it's a bunch of scumbags who are running this company and doing these things, la da da like, how much, how much do you still, you know, give them your money? Buy the games. Yeah. Because these are some that's of the biggest games. Tricky. I was just saying that that's always a tricky situation. You don't want to support people that are doing scummy things but at the same time like if you enjoy the games yeah like and you keep others you're following and that's what you enjoy doing you're yeah. gonna still want the game it's it's such a tricky slope it's it's very similar to like when people you know when music artists do fucked up things like you like the music you want to keep listening to the music but at the same time you don't want to support that person in their endeavors yeah no, for sure. It, it's one of those weird situations because nowadays with social media and all this stuff, like we're getting a more in-depth look into the personal lives. Like back when we was growing up, man, like, you know, music albums would drop and all this stuff. And we didn't really know anything other than what they were saying in the music is probably about the most of what we can gather. Uh, sometimes you would see, you know, fluff pieces, articles and stuff in magazines that you might read and know. But even that stuff is kind of manufactured to a degree. Now with social media, you kind of get more of a realistic view of what people are doing and what they're about. And it really has changed the dynamic of the consumer, right? Of like their relationship between the artwork and the artist. And like, you know, what kind of decision making decision making goes into that as far as what you want to spend on. Uh, I mean, because technically, you know, technically you know one part of you is like well i don't want to give money to a company that's doing this shit but you know yeah the bosses and stuff are doing that shit but there's still employees there that want to work and have that job and if you stop buying those games and supporting their money you also take out of their check as well it's not it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to just be like i'll get another job it's not always that easy especially in the field of gaming right I mean, Blizzard probably is one of the biggest uh, employers of video games out there, you know? Definitely at least in the top five. So, I don't know how easily replaceable if everybody lost their job because, you know, which would never happen. It's such a big company. Like, it's it's not going to go that bad. But, like, let's just semantics. Like, let's just speak on, like, if um that company just went under. I mean, you mm. technically have hundreds of people. Um uh, Technically, you have hundreds of people, you know, that would be out of jobs, maybe in thousands, right? And it's not yeah. like they could just replace it with another gaming job. I mean, some of them could, but not all of them, you know? Mm. So, like, it, it's kind of that, you know, catch-22. And then, and then it also becomes the issue, too. Like, if you're going to hold, 
if you're going to hold your your morality there, right? Then don't you mm-hmm. got to do it on all fronts? So what do you do about the iPhone that you have in your hand, or whatever cell phone? Who like you know they get some of the materials from other countries that use child labor. Um, and I yeah. believe it's in China. I want to say it's in China. They have uh, where they make some of the iPhones. They um they have nets around the building because so many people just commit suicide based on the work hours and stuff. So, like, do you stop using your phones and stuff now? Do you stop like because like you can go down a rabbit hole with anything that you get. You can find bad in it. So it really, you almost got to pick just what you find intolerable, I guess. You know, for me, I don't really, I don't really have a standard to that. Because at the end of the day, I look at it like, I mean, I don't really have all the information. A lot of the information that comes out, you know, a couple of years later, we might find out that it's all fucking wrong. Or it was not exactly the way that it was. You know, like people like to paint stories a certain way to hold the narrative so that it attracts you to, click the the article because that's how they get paid but it, sometimes it's not always the truth of it right so yeah. i don't know i've never trusted companies to begin with so whatever shit goes on it's just kind of like yeah okay you know I, I at my old job i had a company that used to always try and paint the picture like we're family we're a family <laughs> and it's like, bro, we're not a family. You'd fire me yeah, in two seconds. Exactly. The moment you decide to run, you're gone. You're fired. They don't care about your mortgage. They don't care about what bills you're going to pay. They'll bring someone else in, like, literally the very next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, bro. That that whole family bullshit, you can shove it up your ass, man. Like, because it's, it's bullshit. It's, you're trying to create a culture, and you're trying to create an environment to where, like, it's, it's almost like a... Um, brainwashing i'd say almost in that sense Mm. right to get you to believe and feel a certain way so you'll give your all to a company who's not going to give their all back to you you know they're going to look at their books and look some companies do look out for the employees some companies like for you know i work for a bigger company now and and more so in this company than my last company i'm more of a number just somebody who like works there, right? Whereas in my yeah. old company, like I kind of was a person. It was a smaller company, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. with the bigger company, you know, it's not about, I guess, how I'm treated. It's more about what tools can I use from them, right? Like it's because mm-hmm. I think that's how you got to look at it. What what good can I take from them? Because that's all they're looking at me for is what good they can take from mm-hmm. me. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. That's just the way I look at it. How, how are you feelings on it, Nana? I'm similar to you. Like, what, like, it is very annoying when things like this come out, where companies are mistreating their staff and that, especially when it comes to uh, women, because women in the gaming industry have had a hard time because it's generally a very male-dominant industry. And, you know, it, let's say you're a woman, you finally got, your dream job working in a gaming company and to go through this kind of abuse or kind of situation that's happening, it's it's very heartbreaking. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone just wants to be treated the same. You know, you want to be able to go to work and not worry about getting harassed or, you know, like, you don't want to be in a situation where, oh, to get a promotion, you might have to sleep with a manager. Like, no one wants to be in that position. Um, so it is annoying to hear that these things are happening. Um I would hope that now, like, in a sense, the, all the scandals are coming out that 
the game industry starts cleaning themselves up. Because wasn't there a while ago there was um an issue with um the fighting tournament? Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like this yeah, fighting. Yeah, Evo. Is, is there Evo? was a big yeah. There was a big thing with Evo where uh, it came out that there was a lot of like underage uh, girls and I think boys for that matter kind of being like approached or even there were some sexual encounters with like older people that were part of that kind of industry with the younger crowds and stuff like that. It was a lot mm. of like controversy and scandal behind that. Um, that came out, some people lost their jobs, all that kind of stuff. In fact, I think even the whole Evo thing kind of fell apart. And I think Sony, I think Sony bought it now and they might yeah, be reformatting. So I don't know yeah. what's happening with that since then. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I, and I don't know exactly what, what direction they're going to, but there is, there is a lot of money to be made and something with that about like, um, the fighting game communities and like the whole, um, tournament aspect of it behind that the esports of it all um so i don't know i'd be curious to see i mean hopefully it does get cleaned up a bit but i mean to be honest like <laughs> and this is gonna definitely be a detraction but it's still part of what we're talking about but i mean dude i i, I don't know a family like my family my wife's family i can't tell you how many of them there's been somebody in that family a family member that has molested a younger family member, a younger person, a younger girl, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's very common in a lot of families. And there's just something yeah. animalistic. Like if you got a like a tournament like that, you've got like a thing where you have a whole bunch of people coming together, young and old. Uh, the it's, it's bound to happen. You know the the mm -hmm. desire to whether it's some kind of like evolutionary. Um, behavior that's ingrained in, especially in men, especially with higher testosterone levels. You know, I've heard too that mm. people who are trans transitioning from woman to man and they're ingesting more testosterone to help with that transition. They said they start. I've I've heard this um, that they've some of them have reported like looking at sexual partners as more like objects instead of people. Be and they've noticed mm. that because after their testosterone, like after they've gotten more, there's something to that for men. It's not excusable. It's not like a oh, understanding yeah, to let it happen. No, that's not what I'm saying, but it's 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 a biological function that is kind of out of the control. And some people just don't have the limits of self-control that others do. And basically you put them in a huge pot of like everybody in this like, hey, Evo tournament thing or whatever. Like it's kind of... You know, don't be surprised when it happens. It shouldn't, and it needs to be handled uh, accordingly. But you know, those are the dangers. Run. I mean, shit. You can't even you That's, can't even keep self control in in your own family. You know, like yeah. like I was saying, like even with my family and stuff that I know, with some family members that have done shit, and my wife's family too. Like, yeah. it's terrible, but it happens. You know. Yeah, and also it also not to be like stereotypical, but like nerds, you know, are probably not always used to female attention or female interaction. So sometimes when you do get them in, let's say, in those scenarios, they get a little bit too excited and they don't fully, might not fully understand certain social cues and go overboard. Again, it's not an excuse and, you know, it's, it's not to be tolerated. Yeah. But it, it's just one of those ones that in those environments, people need to do better. It's like, I don't know when the last time you went to like a Comic Con or or anything mm -hmm. like that, but like you know, I 
prior to like when I went in college, I had never, you know, noticed any signs saying like, oh, cosplay isn't consent because I'm assuming, you know, with my youngish eyes and in a sense being a decent human being, I wouldn't go up to a woman in a revealing cosplay and start touching her up. But clearly yeah. these things have started to happen. So now at cons, you always see a lot of signs saying, um, co- uh, cosplay isn't consent or yeah. you know things like if you want to take a picture of someone ask them a qu- ask them can I take a picture yeah, you don't yeah. like have your phone out and slyly be taking pictures of people um, so I think it's sad that we are having we're having to go in that direction of certain things but at the same time it's good that people are aware you know so that um, like you said a woman doesn't get harassed and, prob- uh, and feels like absolute shit and then has to um, commit suicide. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things, too, that's like, and I, I can only speak for myself and my own experience, so I don't know. Like, you know, becoming friends with Aaron and Jesse and their group of people they've had, like, there's there's quite a few females that are part of them that, like, are, like, into gaming. Uh, like, shout out to Moonwitch, who, like, watches games, watches us play, and, like, gets into yeah. it in that way. Um, But... When I was growing up, I didn't know any women that were into games like that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that that was like um an anomaly. Even even now my wife is like she's not in she's not even into what the shit that I do. Like she don't give a shit about it, you know? And <laughs> that's fine too. Like she doesn't have to. She shouldn't. You know, like I mean it's not like, oh, you're dating me now, like Resident Evil, play this game now. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's stupid. But it's just like See, it, I was I was fortunate I had one ex back when I was in college that like ah. she was a, she was a gamer in it. Mm-hmm. So um I did have to see a female gamer. But again, things are slowly changing where, you know, gaming is becoming cooler, anime is becoming cooler, where like yeah. you know, back in the day if you were a nerd, you would get bullied or girls yeah. wouldn't be interested in you because well, see, you were a nerd. That that's the point too. Like changing. women weren't like at least from our perception and and at least for mine i'll say for mine too like for my perception and where like where i grew, I grew up well, the school i went to was a pretty hood ass school all right straight up that's just what it was so like now even hood ass dudes love anime they're still there yeah you know yeah. what i'm saying you can see the most hood drugged out gold tooth dude and he's got a goku shirt on <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying like that's how it was right but <laughs> But like for the women, at least in my experience, I haven't. So the the point I'm making is, as you get more and and again, like you're saying, as nerd culture too has become more accepted and and has more people identifying with it. When you grow, you're growing up and you never knew women into it, then you see women into it. I think for a lot of dudes, it's a kind of a turn on, right? Where mm-hmm. like they see these girls dressed up as these game characters. That are like making their kind of dreams come to life in a sense, you can say, right? Oh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And 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 um and then these girls are like super into games. Like they are like, I remember dudes would talk about that. They were into games like me. Like oh, that'd be so cool. Like to have a girl as a gamer. In fact, there was a good good group of my dude, my my friends that was super into Asian women, just in general, right? Like they were like, <laughs> I just want an Asian girl. 
You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if the assumption was that she would be into anime and games and stuff like them just because she's Asian. <laughs> it's super racist, but I mean, you know, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. But I mean, um, there, there, there's, a, there's a piece of that that's there. And now that that's becoming more and more a thing, especially with dudes who were like, never thought that shit was real, and then like go to a tournament or go to a thing and there's these women dressed up like fucking Catwoman or you know whoever you know what i'm saying yeah. like um i i can imagine sometimes for some dudes it might be harder to like put on that self-control like they, they're wanting to and, and they might act brashly and do something terrible or maybe they just act out of character a bit and they're just excited and, and they're trying to show that they like the girl and the girl's not interested and so it's you know it becomes a weird situation for them but um yeah it's 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 a it's a weird phenomenon you know like and i don't know how much i would like it, it, there's another thing i heard i heard one um I heard one girl say this on a podcast that she was a hardcore gamer and she actually preferred that her dude not be in the games because she said like if you're both in the games and you both have the same kind of uh, fascination, you know, maybe even an addiction in some cases, right? And like, but somebody needs to be the responsible one to do shit, you know, like... You, you both having this same thing may not be the healthiest thing in a relationship. And I know for me, I found that to be beneficial with me and my wife because my wife's not into a lot. She's not into She likes to watch some shows and stuff, but she's not like into it like I am. So she actually oh, yeah, it's, is it, it, it's more stressful because like, yeah. like I said, the one time it happened to me, it got to a point where I was like, hold on, um, like I want to play my PlayStation and I want to play the games like, Again, we're gonna come to the sort of I like to play FIFA and um, get, uh, sports games, and she was more into JRPGs and stuff like that. So it got to the point like you literally had to have two of each console just so that you could, you know, both get your allocated gaming time in. Mm. So I I get where, you know, where she's coming from, where she doesn't want her partner to be into gaming as much because then mm. you're like, if let's say for example, obviously. There's, there's starting to be more ways around it. But let's say, for example, FIFA. If you both wanted to play FIFA, that means every time a new FIFA comes out, you're going to have to buy two copies of the same game. Yeah. And, you know, that's about 100, 120 pounds. That's that's a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, you you both have to buy the same game, have to buy all the same mm. DLC content, might as well do it twice. Uh, you both have to buy the same systems. Yeah, you, you have to buy, you know, all that kind of shit together. You'd also have to buy both online. Like if y'all wanted mm -hmm. to play online together, like there's not the split screen stuff is not what it used to be, and honestly, even the split screen stuff wasn't the best way to play. The best way to play is with two separate systems, two separate rooms yeah. online together like that, or at least like a LAN connection, right? Something to that effect. So um, to do that, you'd also have to buy like an online, you know, what sixty a year or something like that, and um, all that kind of stuff. It, it adds up for sure. So, yeah. like, the fact that one of your partner, the person you're with, like, I think there's an idea that that's, like, there's a romanticized version of this girl into gaming and how cool or, like, how hot that would be. But I yeah. think the reality of it is not as cool as what, you know, the fantasy <laughs> is. It's yeah. with a lot of things. A lot of things. You have a fantastical version in your head of one thing, but the reality of it is something quite different. So, <laughs> and not to say that it don't work out. I'm pretty sure there are couples who are super into both, and it works. You know, I think the relationship yeah. ends up being more like their friends and lovers and stuff. And maybe, and that's pretty cool too, because, like, you know, I know with for me and my wife, I love her and, we we share a lot together, but I, I, it's kind of weird 
like, I don't want to say it to make it sound like that, but I don't know if we're quote unquote exactly like friends per se. Right. Because like we're into some things, but like not like I can't sit there and talk to my wife about Batman all day. But I could talk to all my <laughs> friends about Batman yeah. all day. I have a podcast where we do it for two hours a fucking night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> Once a week. 100%. So like I can't do that with my wife, right? Like I don't know if if quote unquote she's a a a friend. Like she's definitely a friend. Like she's she's more than that actually. My wife is more yeah, than a friend. Like she's, she's a wife. <laughs> she, well, yeah, but not just that. But like, she's a partner. Like I raise kids with her. I share my bank account with her. Like that's things I don't do with my friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Beyond just the sexual shit, right? Like I'm talking yeah. more of, of that uh, that other thing of how important she is. But it's like something else than friends, you know. So I don't know. It's 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 a weird. Uh, I think that's one of those weird things to and and some and I'm not saying like you can't be friends with your wife. It's not gonna work. Like I'm pretty sure it can. <laughs> it, it, who knows? Maybe it's more interesting or even a, a maybe it's a better relationship. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but I think hell, me and my wife have been together 13, 14 years, thirteen years married. We've been making nice. it work. So you know, I, I think we found our balance. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy and she seems happy with what we're at, you know, but I mean, I don't know. That was a weird tangent off of that too. <laughs> where we came off of, but I think it's some real shit that, that was spoken. And I think it does relate to exactly where we spun out of it on with the whole, um, just workplace environments and even like environments outside of workplaces, like you said, comic cons and stuff like that and all. So, I thought that was just a story I wanted to highlight again because it's it's getting worse basically, and I thought I'd bring it up because I what well, me and Kev talked about it before in a re, uh, recent podcast, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd bring it up with you and catch some of your thoughts on it. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and I shared this to the group, uh, Nana, that uh, the Chi- I think it's a Chinese game, um, the one that I'm trying to pull it up right now in our group chat. Um, there's a lot of shit about the nerd shirt. Shout out to nerds. They're coming out with shirts. So, uh, yeah, I might want to look into that. And if you're a nerds fan for sure. Yeah. I want to, I want to get my, I'm very good at video games t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. Wu Chang fallen feathers. That's the game. There's a 18 minute exclusive gameplay trailer by IGN. Um, that game looks like a complete ripoff of everything Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Sekiro. It's in to the point where it doesn't even look like it's inspired by, like it, it would, would be one thing if it was, it would be cool, like, oh, we're going to take all these FromSoft games and, and use inspiration from them, but make our own thing. And they definitely took things from each game, but like cut and pasted it into their game. Like mm. boss animations Enemy animations, the way they fight, swing weapons, and all that look straight lifted from FromSoft games. Like, there's no inspiration; yeah. it's copy paste. Um, the parry system is like Bloodborne, where you shoot them, and then you can visceral attack them. And uh, the sounds sound like straight from the games. Like, like the sounds sound the same. I've I've seen a number of people in the YouTube comments on the Facebook. Uh, Facebook groups I'm in with Dark Souls and stuff like people are saying like this the sounds are exactly lifted from from like fucking Bloodborne and shit and Dark Souls the animations are like the, the the boss they showed at the end and some of the visual designs of enemies and stuff actually don't look too bad 
but like it is almost comes back to the conversation we had about like if a company's doing something bad do you still put money into it right there's parts of this that if it plays like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I think I know like I'll like it, but do I want to give money to a company that's straight stealing from a company that I it's, really like? It, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because like not to be racist here, but in I wouldn't say just the Chinese market or but the Eastern market, they do have like I wouldn't say ripoffs, but they do have clones where you know you might have a PlayStation clone where it's very similar to the PlayStation, but it have different features. They don't really always have like official the official product, and I think this is kind of a similar kind of thing where you know maybe they don't necessarily the popularity of Dark Souls and Demon Souls isn't sold as well there, so they've taken it and put like in a sense a Chinese aesthetic to it for their market hmm. um and again i'm i'm only hazarding a guess here but i'm going to assume that their copyright laws etc is a little bit different to the rest of the world where in a sense they can get away with almost doing an exact replica of a game and just putting on potentially a different skin to it hmm. interesting that's an interesting take um I'm still conflicted. And, and again, I don't know how early gameplay this is. So I'd be curious to see more. I mean, from what it looks like, it definitely looks like a game I would have enjoyed playing. Because if it plays yeah. exactly like the Souls games and stuff, like uh, clearly I enjoy that. And yeah. I, I don't think it's that hard to copy and paste that gameplay. However, if it is so cut, copy and paste. I don't know, man. Like, I have a feeling to me, like, I don't really want to give that any type of money. Maybe if it pops up for free somewhere down the road, I would then play it. But, like, and I'm typically not one who really cares about that shit, you know? Yeah. But, like, it's it's such clear theft that I don't know if I really want to throw it a dime. <laughs> but then, it, 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 I, I hear what you're saying there, but it's like, you know, platform games, like, a lot of them are so similar, you know, how, again, I, I haven't watched a trailer in trailer in terms of with sound and stuff, and I am not someone that plays any of those Souls games, so, you know, my relatability to it is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. But, let's say for, and this is probably not the greatest example, but Gran Turismo and, um, oh, what's the one they've got on Xbox? Oh, I forgot what it's called. Oh, uh, um, Gran, Gran Turismo and Forza. Forza, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 can say that for the most part, they're you know they're very close to similarity. Uh, what kind, you know, how much differential to they're they're both racing similarities. Yeah. Where in a sense, let's say something like let's say um, the Need for Speed franchise, that is you know even though they still have car mechanics, in terms of like the story and the action it is completely different. So. Like, where do yeah, you, where but do you see, but there's line? there's a diff, I think, with that. Like, I see what you're saying, but like, even with like racing games, and we could even like, yeah. well, even with racing games, right? So, there's different ways in which the cars can control, handle, mm -hmm. um, different aspects, different layouts of the area that you're racing in. All those kind of things play an effect with differentiate those games. And, and, and in, in a unique way, I think between Gran Turismo and Forza, I think there are clear differences between those games. 
uh, when you when you really look at it, right? With a game like this, the, it, like imagine, imagine if like you took Forza and all you did was change the colors of the vehicle, but everything else is the same. <laughs> like yeah. the way they no, handle. I, I, do, like, I, I do understand exactly where you and the rest of the that, That's going to be the argument, right? Like, as I don't know <laughs> if it's that similar. I don't know if this game is that similar to like the Souls games where it's that bad. But from the 18-minute yeah. trailer, it's pretty bad with how. Oh yeah, like, it, it, it looks very. It looks very like those games. Um, like it, don't, it's almost yeah. as bad to where like you have the same sound effects. Like you literally just took, like you couldn't even change the sounds that, that these things made. Mm -hmm. Like you lifted that too. Like how lazy. And again, like this is the other thing too. If it's that lazy that you're just copy and pasting. Like, I can't imagine there's going to be much to that game as far as depth goes. Yeah. It's going to feel like doing playing the same game. So that's almost another reason why I wouldn't really want to give it that time either. It's not just for the morality of it, but also because it's just like, it's probably going to be that interesting. And, and I could be wrong. Yeah. And, I you know, we'll see when reviews come out. We'll see what the talk is of it. With some of the the groups I'm in for souls and stuff, with they because they'll definitely be speaking about it too, and I'll probably make more of a judgment call then. But it's something, especially mm -hmm. for souls fans, especially people who listen to my podcast. You know, you know, we go deep with souls and stuff like that. So I thought I'd bring this up in particular as well um, yeah. on that. But I think you bring a good point, Nana. Uh, and yeah. I want to say, yeah. I, it's, it's just because I've noticed that in the past, with the especially in the uh, again being you know racist for the most part the chinese market do like to you know put their own stamp on western things and yeah you know they don't normally get shut down like i'm pretty sure um you will find like uh, a chinese version of xbox one that probably plays xbox games but it's not you know an official microsoft product um well that's why so google started allowing censorship Right, because they knew that China was just going to steal their shit and do their own. Because a mm -hmm. lot of things in China, they they don't really have much concern with like copyright laws and shit like that. Uh, I mean, that was a big thing that you know, hate them or love them for whatever you feel. But I think that was a big thing that Trump was making a deal with with China back when he was in office is about the you know the way they steal IPs and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. there was some big hoopla behind that. So it's it's a known thing with with china and like these chinese corporations are not like individualized corporations per se it's a very communistic uh government there that you know the the, the government has holds in these chinese companies so if this is like a chinese game like i'm not sure i, I believe it is i'd have to do more research on it i haven't i was just wanting to speak more about the actual gameplay that was shown and if that is the can, I believe it is a Chinese based game as far as like the game, the world that takes place in yeah. and stuff. I don't yeah, know if the it's company based, it's based is based from what I've just quickly like Google, it's based on the Ming dynasty. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's that that era will be that kind of weapons. It will be, it will be their culture, their theme. It'll be interesting to see like how readily available this is in the West as well. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring out, and this is going to be a quick one. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 remaster discussions have reportedly begun. Now, mm -hmm. I was a big Marvel vs. Capcom fan. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 played the shit out of it for Dreamcast back in the day. Marvel vs. Capcom 3, 
I was definitely an MVC three head for a long time. I played the shit out of that game with me and my man Eric. So hearing a remaster of two's coming out, I think is pretty interesting, especially for the fighting game community. I think two and three are really held to some of the best fighting games. I think like of kind of all. I mean, of like now they're not the best. I would say some Street Fighter titles were definitely above that, but. MVC3 was definitely in those EVO tournaments for a long time. It held a spot yeah. in there because it was so popular. So, and MVC2 as well was pretty popular, but I would say MVC2 is a little more of a broken game than what in Marvel's Capcom 3 is. So, I'd be curious what a remaster does if they're going to touch up some of the mechanics or anything. But I'd be interested to see a remaster done, bring that shit out. That'd be pretty cool. I'm down. Do you for know that. what? I'm. Pre- I feel like I saw the other day that um, Disney were in talks of making a potentially making a new Marvel versus Capcom because obviously Disney owns pretty much the right to all the Marvel characters, um, and for them to make uh, you know in a sense a more a, a recent edition of that franchise, mm. you know, would you would you want a new Marvel versus Capcom? I don't know because we actually did get one a few years ago. They did Marvel's Capcom Infinite, and it was a it was a train wreck. It was the dumpster fire, and shit was bad. So, and honestly, actually, the mechanics of the game weren't really bad. The problem was really more the aesthetics. The problem was really the fact that Disney clearly had a say in the character roster, and they kicked out all the X Men. They kicked out like Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, all Magneto, all these big characters that were staples of the Marvel vs. Capcom mm-hmm. game. They were kicked out in Infinite because at that time Disney didn't have hold of the Fox properties. Now okay. that they do, we could get a more faithful Marvel vs. Capcom, but I don't know if they're going to dig in that well. With I think how much of a loss they took with the recent one they did. I think in like 2017, 2018, something like that. I want to say Infinite came out around there. So, um, I mean, I I would like to see another edition, sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And then like, yeah, from what I heard too, it didn't sound like Capcom really put a lot of effort into that title. So if they're going to like fucking half-ass a Marvel vs. Capcom game, like I'm not interested like I, I hope that they really put some work into it. Hell, even Street Fighter Five, what they did with that was dog shit until they fixed it up over the years. Now Street Fighter Five is a legit game, but like when it first came out, you know a lot of people were not happy with the product that got released on day one. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope they've learned their lessons and the fighting games they start making over there in Capcom come out with some more respect and and you know more effort because like Mortal Kombat is killing the game. NetherRealm Studios is between the Injustice titles and the uh, Mortal Kombat titles they're doing fantastic. So like and, uh, like the new Mortal Kombat is probably the best Mortal Kombat they've ever made. Like just as far as like a, a mechanics space. So you know kudos to them. Uh, and I hope that Street Fighters you know I mean uh, Capcom's taking notes and their Street Fighter Six, whenever that shit starts rolling out, is like you know, it really you know sets apart. Cause like they're they're the OGs, they're the ones who started this whole fighting game franchise. So I would like to see Street Fighter really take the crown in a big way. I mean, they kind of still have the crown. Like if you look on Twitch streams, a lot of times you'll you'll see like a handful of people streaming Mortal Kombat, and you'll see like thousands of people streaming Street Fighter Five. 
So like yeah. Street Fighter has always got the crowd because it does have the Asian markets in a bigger way than what Mortal Kombat does. So um, yeah, I don't. I'm not saying that they don't have the crown, but I would like to see them like on top of that throne and in much you know in a much bigger way than some kind of half-ass thing they fix down the road. So um, I don't know. I hope yeah, because I, I don't want to see that happen with because I, I don't know if Marvel's Capcom could survive that. Clearly, Infinite couldn't. So I don't know if Marvel's Capcom, if they came out with another one and it released poorly like Street Fighter V, and even if they try and fix it down the road, I don't know if it, it, it retains um, consumers. I don't know if it, it I don't know if it does anything. Like I think it might just die. Whereas Street Fighter won't because it still has such a rabbit fan base behind it. Street Fighter can can hold on, like they can put out a dog shit title and fix it and people will still be there for it, right? I don't know if that's the case in Marvel's Capcom. So, we'll see. Like, hell, I think one of the biggest snuffs was when Marvel's Capcom Infinite first dropped. People were upset with it, and Evo was like, it's not welcome here. They didn't even put it in the tournament <laughs> roster in Evo, which was a huge, like, damn. Because Marvel's Capcom 3 was a huge staple to Evo for a long time behind, like, Street Fighter and stuff. So, to see that happen with Infinite, like... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. But we'll go ahead and spin out of this little news segment here and uh, get into the main topic. Sports games. Nana, why don't you tell us, what? Um, what's your first earliest <clears throat> memory of like playing some sports games and what kind of got you into playing sports games and what always gets you coming back? So... Um... I've fallen a little bit out of love with sports game, but part of that is due to, you know, not gaming as much. Um, I feel like in recent years, a lot of sports games, I think with technology advancing to a certain point, there's only so much you can do to improve these games. Like, let's say, for example, like, you know, the games that came out in, like, the late 90s, you know, were very, I want to say basic, they were still very good. But, you know, the technology only allowed to do so much. Um, and then as we got into, like, the late 20s or late teens, to be honest, um, you know, they made massive steps. Since then, I feel like all they're really doing is just reskinning, changing names, updating player stats, and then, you know, repackaging that game and um, selling it to fans again. Uh, I'm mainly with, with that. I'm mainly talking about FIFA and Madden because those are the ones that I, you know, experienced the most uh, playing growing up. Um, it's just until we get in a sense a massive jump in technology again, I don't really know what more they can do in it. So the only thing negative is that again they try and repackage it as a brand new game where there was rumors at one point like the likes of FIFA. We're just going to release one game and over the course of several years, just do like uh, an update, which will just update the players, update the names, update what teams are at um, instead of, you know, repackaging it as a whole new game. But that's just obviously not happened because they would lose a lot of money. Um, my probably earliest experience with uh, sports games is probably the FIFA franchise. Uh, I want to say they were like FIFA 95. Um, I think back then as well you had ISS which um, later on re- I'm pretty sure rebranded as Pro Evolution 
um, which has also just recently done another rebrand and is now, I think, going to be called eFootball mm. um, moving forward. Um, I think everyone enjoys sports games because, you know, everyone, like, most people enjoy playing sports and it's a fun thing to do. Your friends, I think, with the advance of online technology, you know, it's nice to be able to play against people across the world. You can play with your friends quite easily. Um, it's just a nice, nice experience. Um, yeah. My favourite sports game uh, is a football manager. Uh, it used to be called Championship Manager. Um, it was it used to be Sports Interactive and Edios, uh, but they broke up in a sense in 2016. Um, I want to say uh, Sports Interactive kept like the database. Mm-hmm. Um. And Idios went on and branched off and made their own Fragile Escape called Football Manager. Um, Idios were like the people that were in a sense behind the heart of the game and made like the gameplay like it fun. So for a number of years, I think between like 2016-2019, you got two football simulator games. You got Football Manager and Championship Manager. But obviously, you know, fans went with the people that actually, you know, took love and care of the game. And you could see how much they implement new things and continue to develop the game um so since 2016 the only football simulator game that's available is football manager and with football manager i buy it pretty much every year because every year they make a significant change to the game it's not just the aesthetics they always try and innovate and add new things Mm -hmm. um and it's probably the game that i probably sunk in the most amount of hours in um definitely tens of thousands into this out of hours into each game each year um it's just very well done um i really wish that they would do a nfl and american football nfl version of football manager Mm. but um they don't believe it will be popular enough in the american market for it to work Mm. um which is a shame since i again i would that would be a game that i would lap up and i would probably sink a lot of hours into it um but yeah man again sports games are always cool you know i don't know if you want to include games like tony hawk um as sports games but you know back in the day tony hawk's one and two were an amazing game to play um ssx tricky 1080 snowboarding yeah um, those were kind of different they they were all fun sports games per se as well yeah so it's, well, see, you know, well, the other question would be to you then, because you're you're right. I, I feel like that's part of what uh, turns me away from it, is what you initially said about how they just feel like skins, and it doesn't feel like anything innovative. But there have been titles that have tried to innovate the sports genre, and you can say Tony Hawk's is kind of one of those, right? Where, yeah, yeah, there was the whole sports aspect of like skateboarding around doing your thing. But like they they gamified it a bit. You find these letters places. You grind here and there, and you like do like little yeah. missions inside this like arena, where they kind of yeah. gamified the the sports aspect. Because when you when you look at a sports game, basically white and black, it's my team gets the ball, makes a point, right? Or my team gets the mm-hmm. thing, makes a point. Or if it's like a racing game, which technically you can't. I don't know if I would even consider that a sports game either. But Tony Hawk's mm. is not really racing, you know. It is a little yeah. more towards the sports side, but it it it's almost not. Um, but yeah, they 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 are like racing is more like you know you race to the thing and beat it. You know, there's like a there's like a singular concept in there. 
but there have been games like um there was one was it uh what is it called blitz i think it was back in the oh, 90s NFL blitz, yeah where it was, tried to make you like exciting and stuff and yeah you can like with the violence yeah you can like beat the shit out of people almost like you can't really like fist fight them but like you would tackle them or you would hit them in ways it would be like i think you like power bomb somebody like they, the, the hits and everything would be a little more visual you know yeah. they, they had a little more fun with that um there was a, a golf game i think it was called outlaw golf where like the players you would play as were like criminals and like so you mm -hmm. would do like golf but like if you fucked up or whatever you can like like beat the shit out of your caddy where you hit them with a golf club or you you know beat the fuck out of them and they're like, mm -hmm. i think you play as like prostitutes or like drug dealers or whatever the case is like they were like the golf characters right it was just some weird way of doing that and it was yeah. weird mechanics <laughs> to it do you know one studio that I'll say has done a lot of good things for sports game is probably Nintendo. Yes. Um, they're like Mario Football, they're uh, Mario Tennis, they're yes. Mario Golf. Yes. Those games are fun. Like there is obviously you've got the sports element there, but you know they've got the power ups. You've got the popular Nintendo uh, Nintendo characters. Yeah. You you know they've got different uh, modes. Um, they they're you know playing more. They're multiplayer. Um, gameplay is always fun. Like the, it's easy to learn to play, and it's easy just to pick up and go. But like, if you put enough hours, you can get really good, and you can do things that like other players can't. Because um, like for us growing up, like me and T, you know, and Marvin, will you know, we spent hours playing Mario Tennis, hours playing Mario Football, and they were just fun kids' games. And again, if you want to even include um, the Mario and Sonic Olympics, like. Those, ga yeah. those games are fun and, 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 and creative ideas and have just kept on getting better and better um, as time has gone on. Yeah, it's true. But I think um, even with all these creative ways of messing with the sports game, I think you know your typical EA sports sports games, the ones that have the licensing to use you know, the superstars and all that kind of stuff are the ones that stand out as the top uh, earners. Because I think a lot of people actually approach fighting, I mean, excuse me, they, they approach um, sports games like football in particular, like fighting games. They're actually a very similar fan base, I'd say, where they're, they're a group of people who are very aggressive about trying to win. And like in the game, there are very technical ways of like, for a sports game, you, you play certain plays, you use teams with different stats. And there's your OP teams and teams that aren't that great. And I think it changes year by year based on the actual uh, football teams and stuff. And I guess their performance. Where like in fighting games, you have characters that are OP. They have different stats. You pick your character and some characters are better against other characters. Like I'd imagine in football games, some teams are better than other teams. There's a, there's a science to fighting games that I think is similar to the science in sports games. And the appeal mm -hmm. comes in the competitive nature around that. Cause there's a huge esports like uh following behind like these sport like sports games. I think some of the Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And to where like uh I've seen when I you know, I was looking up trying to do my own like restaurant at one time, doing like a esports type theme and some of the ones when I looked at different you know, uh, gaming restaurants and bars around America, like a lot of them are built. You'll see a lot of tournaments and stuff going for like Madden, 
and things like that. Yeah. Because there there yeah. is a pretty big following of that. In fact, I mean, even um, I think like um, I remember hearing a story about Snoop Dogg having some issues with the stream, but I think even he like he likes to stream like NBA games or like NFL games and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like like yeah. sports games. It, it's some of the um celebs around here those are the games that they're playing i mean the biggest one of all is probably Fortnite in that sense and that's a shooter but like the sports games and the following behind that are nothing to sniff at and i think their similarities to fighting games are a big part of that and why like when you gamify it like a nintendo thing does it's like a fun detraction and i think it gets i think i think people who like casually like sports games that grabs their attention but mm. it will never grab the attention of hardcore sports game players because it's not yeah. the science it's not the legit like you know there's like weird power-ups you get with the nintendo games and you <laughs> you know you got special moves that make you hit the tennis ball hard or you know whatever the case is so um it, it doesn't always work that way and i would say too for how much that you know Myself, I kind of like don't really fuck with sports games. They were pretty vital for the gaming industry at the time. Um, there's two things I wanted to bring up. One's been a book I've been reading. Um, I think All Your Bases Belong to Me, I want to say. Let me make sure I got that right. Uh, where is it in my photos? Here we go. Stop. Don't want that. Uh, All Your Bases Belong to Us, I think, or something. It's a bad translation of um uh, of a game it's a famous translation it was a bad translation uh that's game over let me get out of that all your base are belong to us that's it it's a famous translation and um in this one is a uh, a pretty interesting story about how um Madden came to be and also Netflix has that one too did you watch that Netflix episode no. So Netflix had a had a thing called High Score and they took a couple different things from the gaming industry and kind of highlighted them. And one of the episodes mm-hmm. was on Sega versus Nintendo back in the 90s, you know. And yeah. um where is it at? Sorry, I have I had took a picture. I think I might watch that. I vaguely remember. And it was like each episode followed like a different kind of video game company and a different story. Yeah. Yeah, it it is something like that. So um they both they both cover. It. I mean, I've read a couple of books. And so the big thing is one of the ways Sega went to um take over the huge market share, like a ninety percent market share Nintendo had, was to use sports games. And they wanted to, because they knew that they were going for the older, Nintendo always went for the kids, especially back then. Because I think back in the 90s too, like a lot of people looked at gaming as like a kiddie thing. Like that's what children do. That's the that's a toy that they like. Yeah. Nowadays that has changed. But at the time, that's what it was. And Nintendo wanted to make sure everything was kid friendly. So one of the things Sega did was like, well, no, we think older people like to play this stuff. We're going to go for the teen market. And so one of the things they knew was like, oh, teenagers love sports. So they dug into the sports. And Sega ended up working through a turn of events. There was some drama behind the scenes, of course. But EA, uh, Trip Hawkins was the one who kind of spearheaded the founding of EA. And, um, and building it on the 
back of sports games. And one of the stories here is that he he got it with uh with Madden. Uh, let me see. Um, all right here. Uh, and I want and now this is a lifted from the book. I'm gonna read a bit of this. And I want my picture on the cover. On the drive yeah, home, yeah. Hawkins thought, yeah, Trip Hawkins. If it's going to go that way, I'm going to go to the front of the parade and get the biggest I can get, John Madden. That wouldn't be easy. Hawkins needed Madden badly, but Madden didn't need Hawkins. So Madden already had his share of fame as a Super Bowl winning coach of the Oakland Raiders. He was a personality and all this kind of stuff, which you know. Madden's celebrity was growing fast, just as his waistline, according to this book. <laughs> because of his rising star, the former coach wanted a greater cash advance than Hawkins had given Julius Irving for the basketball game that he did before. Madden received a whopping $100,000, a huge amount of the time. But Irving had the foresight to accept electronic arts stock at a very cheap price as partial payment. Madden declined the offer. To this day, Madden still jokes that accepting stock in the new video game company could have made him a richer man in the late 80s and, and then beyond. But Madden was a pragmatist to a fault, wanted his money up front because he didn't believe the newfangled technology would sell. In fact, he knew very little about computers and computer games. The real reason he agreed to lend his name is because he was teaching uh, classes in football at the University of California, and he thought that these games would be useful for his lectures. So that's the only real reason why he did it, yeah. that and $100,000. So <laughs> it's interesting, too, that Madden apparently cursed like a sailor. Every word was the F word out of Madden's mouth. He'd always be like, fuck that, fuck you people. Yeah. Yeah, all that kind of good stuff. So, but Madden uh, ended up working with him basically because he thought it'd help his like teaching and stuff. It, it wasn't very important, but that Madden game really built the foundation of EA, which is it's just interesting because EA is one of the biggest video game companies. And like when you look at some of the top selling video games of all time, you know Madden games and stuff aren't really in that. In fact, the only real sports games that are in that list are like. Wii Sports. There's a few sports games, but it's like uh, the offshoot, <laughs> like Wii Sports and stuff like that. Because I mean, they sold with the consoles, and Wii was yeah. one of the top selling consoles. You know, it's one of the top selling consoles of all time. Not the top, but one of them. When we dropped, that shit was hot. Wii U, not so much. So uh, that's kind of what helped shoot that up there. But sports mm -hmm. games do sell almost like clockwork, and they sell every year. And they, they make a considerable amount of money, uh, especially to hold yeah. on to all these like licenses for using people's like likenesses and stuff like that. I mean, I think that was the debacle while they stopped doing the college football games for a bit, right? Because uh, they... Yeah, well, that's potentially coming back because obviously the players couldn't make any money off it, but now yeah. they've changed some of the rules on that. Um, I always find it because I'm not really an avid watcher of college football. Mm -hmm. I don't really follow any teams. I don't follow it. Um, but a lot of people preferred the NCAA games to uh, mm -hmm. the Madden games. Yeah. So it's just to see if they do get that back, how they're going to, you know, make some changes and see if they can actually rival Madden. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would definitely be interesting. And like, so just to say, like, you have to give kudos, like sports games for whatever issues you have with them. Like the big thing I wanted to highlight out of that is the way that EA grabbed Madden and that became something that was a tool for Sega. Because back in the day, I don't know if we would have the games or the companies that we have today if Sega didn't take the steam out of Nintendo. Nobody really mm. wanted to fuck with Nintendo. 
And it was Tom Kalansky and his team of people from Sega of America that, through the powers of marketing, really put Sega on the map in America and, like, really opened the doors for other companies to... Because, like, Nintendo... Nintendo really put their foot on the necks of other video game companies whenever they dealt with Nintendo. They wanted like premium prices, high dollar amount. They would they would inspect these games, make sure they reached a certain quality that was acceptable to Nintendo. And it, it did make it harder for especially indie developers and, uh, and other like game developers to make it. Now, the reason why people still worked with them though, because even for the pittance of dollars they would make off each game, Nintendo sold like hotcakes. So everybody like made a considerable amount of money. Even though it was like pennies on the dollar, they would still sell so many of them that it made money. It was worth working with Nintendo, you know? Like it wasn't like not worth it. But it was definitely made growth harder. So Sega being an alternative helped. And like EA was able to negotiate a deal with Sega to make more money off of each game than uh, they would at Nintendo. So that's why they stuck with Sega in the beginning. And it helped put Sega on the map. That, with Sonic, with a number of factors together, helped take down Nintendo, basically. And it didn't take them out, but it helped level the playing field. And then shortly after that, we got PlayStation. And PlayStation broke through the marketplace. And then we seen, uh, you know, gaming come to what it was, to what it is now. And sports games was a big part of that, you know, and I think it has to be given credence to it. Um, there's also another thing that I think you'll find interesting, and this is on the Netflix doc that I, I wanted to play. Uh, tell me if you can hear the audio. That's why I'm here. No, I'm not hearing the audio. His dream job working on not hear now. And he immediately set out to make a major change to EA's. You don't hear that at all? No, yeah, no, I can hear it now. Once you start playing, I can hear it. Okay, okay. All right. Well, the sound is sounding a little off on my end. So we'll see how this goes. I can hear him talk. So just let me know if it's coming in okay. Flagship game. So back then, because of what the machines were capable of, the players all had to be one race. And back then, the majority of players in the NFL were African-American. I had waited all my life to see players of color, to see a reflection of myself in games. So in 95, we put African-Americans in the game and it was provocative because people had never seen black people on the back of a major sports game. It just hadn't, it was a new thing. So that was just a small uh, portion. You still there, Nana? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still. Okay. Was, that was some of the Netflix documentary, wasn't it? Yes. So what it was is yeah. one of the developers who ended up working for EA, one of the things he cited was when he uh, worked there, you know, one of the things they realized with making so many sports games is like they can only make the characters one color with how it mm -hmm. was in early editions. And so, you know, most of the players in football were black. So yeah. like, well, well, you know, why are you making them white? if most of the people playing are black. And so I think it showed in the, in the documentary was the 95 Madden that made the characters, they made the players black. 
Yeah, have different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think I watched, I watched that, that episode, and I, I'm pretty sure the guy that did it, like, not only was he African American, like, he, I'm pretty sure he was also gay as well. Yeah, he which, was like gay. Mm-hmm. In, in in the sports community, you know, it's like, oh, uh, you know, you gotta be uh, a macho man, you gotta be, you know, yeah. it, you know, being um, gay in that in that environment in that industry would have, you know, been hard for him to break down some of the doors that he did, and it's. You know, it's a good thing that it it happened as early as it did, or you know, we could have been playing games into the into the probably two thousands with you know having black players in the NFL be represented as white. Um, the way characters. God intended, all white. <laughs> 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 no man, that was really dope. I, I thought that was an interesting like midpoint in that documentary because it does kind of sidestep to highlight that. And it, it is interesting. Like, I think even so, I think that's a good move regardless. Because I think from my takeaway of it, though, they even made the white players black because they can only make them one color. And it was just more mm. honest to make them black because that's what most the players were at the time. So that's really strong. Like, that's that's pretty dope that, you know, they made that choice and did that. And, you know, even if it turned white players black. Like, well, I mean, statistically speaking here, they should, you know, most of the players are. So that's just, and that's all we can do. We can only render one color for the players. So, you know, I thought that's interesting. And it, I think that was a good step forward just on um, a social landscape, you know, just talking about representation and stuff like that. So you give credit to the sports games for doing that as well. Because when you look, you know, like in fact, uh, Renee said this on, the, on time and time again, is black people love Japan more than Japan loves black people. Cause like yeah. when you look, <laughs> when you look at games, like especially Japanese games, which was the majority of them back in the nineties and on, good luck finding a black person. <laughs> You're not gonna find a black person <laughs> in the game. Like the yeah. one I could think of is Final Fantasy VII. You had Barrett, who's one of the rare major characters. He wasn't the main character, but he was one of the major characters of that game, and he was a black man. Beyond that. Tell me a game that has a black person. Because I struggle uh, to think of them. Uh, you got Eddie, Eddie Gordon, Tekken. Yep, but again, that's not a main character. It's a more of a side character. And then, like, you had Dead Alive. Oh, oh you, you, you had the main characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. the main characters. No, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, Dead or Alive had a black character. It had Zack. Um, but again, I think those games came out closer to the 2000s. Um, mm. the 80s, 90s, and all that kind of stuff. It was all Japanese or white people, you know. So I mean, yeah. um, yeah. So I mean, to to put that in on the sports games and have all the characters black, even the white ones are black because that was just the way they had to render it, and it was just more honest to what the sport actually was. I think it's powerful. It's dope. And so uh, you got to give respect to that and what they did. You know, the, yeah. I mean, hell, EA itself takes a lot of shit for being evil corporate uh, corporatization that wants to um, evil corporation. Excuse me, that wants to take your money. But I would say this: so far, EA hasn't really come out with any of these weird um, sex scandal uh, allegations and stuff like that. From my understanding, I could be wrong, but from my understanding, I don't think they've really been hit with that kind of stuff. It seems like it's a decent place to work. They just definitely make a lot of decisions based on their wallet instead of like yeah. the people, which sucks. But at the end of the day, it's a corporation. And 
They got to do what's best for the shareholders. It is what it is. All corporations do that shit. So, um, but yeah, I don't want to wave the flag for EA too much. It's just, but you gotta, you gotta be honest and highlight when things are good that are done, especially early on in the nineties like that. That's not, you know, social justice and representation weren't even a fucking thing really back then. And you never really heard about it at least. Or if you did, I mean, maybe we were just too young to hear it at the time. I mean, I was like, what, six or seven in 95? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's I, th- I think it just it was something interesting. So, uh, the, again, that documentary is high score. If you haven't watched it yet on Netflix, it came out a few years back. Um, yeah, I think I did watch it. I just forgot about it. Yeah, so definitely give it a watch if you haven't. And I would suggest, too, a couple books to read is um, – uh, all your bases belong to us, um, mm-hmm. which is the the book I read that excerpt from. Another one is Console Wars with Sega and Nintendo. That's another good one, and um, Game Over: How Nintendo Took Over America is another good one as well. Um, I would strongly suggest those books. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to pause this because my dogs are barking. Let me see what the fuck's going on. One second. Nice. There we go. Now we can go. I'm sorry. It was a recording. Never no, no good. But Nana was yeah, saying sir. that he ain't going to read shit because he don't read. <laughs> he said, y'all read and read the books I said because education's good. All right. Um, now, I like reading some of the stuff on the history of the gaming industry and stuff like that. I find it interesting. There's interesting stories in there. The one I'm reading about all your base belong to us is actually – he takes a look at a lot of different video game companies and their the way they started up. Um, Console Wars is more of a look at Sega and actually it's more a look at Sega and how they took over a Nintendo. And then Game Over, how Nintendo took over America is a bit more of the Console War stuff, but more focused on Nintendo and how that company came to be over the years. So those three books are good. And then uh, uh, Masters of Doom, is another good book. Uh, that one is particularly though on um, the creators of Doom and like id Software, how that came to be. So, uh, but that's a bit of a tangent. Um, I say it at least though, just on sports games though. I think the thing I was just wanting to highlight with that is the importance of sports games to the industry. Um, and I think the I think what we brought up too about them being like fighting games and their technical prowess that they have is the uniqueness that I think draw people to it, even though they do feel a lot like reskins. Yeah. You can almost argue that with some fighting games. Some fighting games end up like that too, where they almost feel like reskins. I mean, when you look at Ryu and Ken on Street Fighter, I mean, they're kind of the same character. There's some different movesets, special abilities. They do change things a little more so than what uh, it looks like sports games do. But, you know, technically speaking, it, it can kind of be that um, to some degree. Um, but um, do you have any other things you want to bring up with sports games before we kind of get into some recommendations of what we've been playing? And we can kind of end this episode if you like. Anything I think else sports, sports games are just fun. Like, you know, especially I think they're easy games for kids to pick up. And then that's why, you know, they play them until they're older because it's just been a game that they... Like, when you're young, you don't really realise that the game 
is potentially a reskin. You just want the latest game. So each year you get it until you get a little bit older and then you start to, you know, realise actually, you know, not much has changed from year to year. But I I would be... Do we Is there a stat like that says like what percentage of, you know, the games played are sports games compared to like RPGs, fighting games, etc. Do we have a, uh, a percentage I can, number I can maybe find one. I know we've covered it. I think with Wasteland, we did an episode where we covered the... Um... <clears throat> yeah, I remember you doing that with like the you know how women play in puzzle games. And so stuff like one of that the top the... games that women did play were racing games. Uh, sports mm-hmm. games didn't really fall into that. I think it was some with shooters, action adventure games, and stuff. So I would definitely say it's probably in the twenty percentile. Um, okay, that's, that's I, a nice would... chunk for sports games. Yeah, considering but... how many sports games there are. Like, I'm not someone that plays NHL, but, you know, there is that. You've got the basketball games. Um, so there are, like, more obscure sports games out there that might not be, like, in the mainstream that people enjoy. Uh, one that I didn't talk about, which I do enjoy playing, even though I don't watch it much, is um, MLB The Show. Mm. And uh, I want to say that this year, for the first time since that game franchise has been um, going on, they released it on Xbox because mm. uh, it, it had normally been a, a, a PlayStation exclusive. And because of that, you know, the sales for that went higher than it's normally been as well. So, I, so I did pull this up, but I, this is the weird thing, right? This will bring a wrinkle to the conversation a bit. So they say mm. here, this is a Science Daily, okay? This was done December 13th, 2012, it looks like. Who are sports gamers? The source is Concordia University. From Gran Turismo to WWE SmackDown, which I didn't even consider wrestling games as sports games. I thought, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to ask that question, but I just assumed that, you know, it is technically a sports game. And those games as well um, have always done very well. Um, you know, I remember playing WrestleMania 2000 on Nintendo 64 and then later on SmackDown on the PlayStation. Um, those, yeah, those games generally play really well and are quite funny. Mm. So this is what the study found. This is again back in 2012, so it's a little old. Um, they found that the majority of those who play sports video games are male, 98.4%. White, yeah. 80%. And in their mid-20s, average of 26 years. In comparison with other mm-hmm. representative video game player demographics, the field is less diverse and the average player is younger. Because what we found the average player to be is about 33, 34 years old. And that's been fairly okay. consistent over the last couple of years when you look back at um, the statistics from the ESA and all that. So sports game players seem to be of a younger ilk in their 20s and stuff like that, according to this article here, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the biggest findings to emerge from the study is unsurprising but finally documented the overwhelming majority of sports gamers 93 percent self-identify as sports fans so basically most everybody who plays sports games are also sports fans in some degree and so it's just documented which is kind of like they said it's kind of obvious but they're in their mid-20s um i don't know what percentage uh, uh they say let me see this 2018 gamers accounted for 66% of the general U.S. population, up from 58%. Mm-hmm. So a huge part of the the uh, 
population actually are uh, gamers in America. And uh, but as far mm. as um, like a percentage of them that identify as playing sports, I'm I'm going to say mm. younger gamers are a smaller demographic than like the 30s, 30 year olds around there. So if we're going younger, my guess would be like in the 20 percentile. That would that would be it. No, sorry. So I don't know. I might be able to find that statistic in some time. Um, let me see if I can pull up the ESA. Let's accept. Let's see what they they got about sports games. Let's see. All right, because they the 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 one that we looked at, which is the one I'm looking at now, they kind of only did like the top, the top three or whatever. Mm. Uh, that's a year spent playing video games. Uh, families. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, sports games, and the people identified 18 to 34, 80% mm -hmm. shooter games, 68% adventure games, and 65% role-playing games. Sports games are down on that list. So I would say I would say like of this listing here, it's probably in the fifty percentile. Yeah. If I had to guess, but women definitely seem more towards sports games, at least like racing and stuff. It's kind of what they show. So yeah, but anyway, um, was there anything else? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But anything else you wanted to? I don't know. No, that's all good. No, that's it. That's it. All right. Cool. Well, um, let's go ahead and end off on what we've uh, what we've been playing. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you go, man. Uh, I know you've been playing Tales, right? Yes, I've been playing Tales of Arise. I am a big fan of the Tales franchise. Um, it's the first one I've played in a while. I didn't play the last one, which I think was Tales of Viseria. Um I'm about 20 hours into the game. I'm maybe, I want to say maybe 30 to 40% complete of the game. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I like. I'm enjoying the combat. Um, the only negative I would say is that there's a lot of like talking. Um, where in the past in the Tales series, the they're like um, bonus cutscenes in a sense that you can have where the characters interact with each other hasn't bothered me. Um, this time around, I'm just like I don't really care. Just like get to the main. Like let me just continue the main story. Um, I'm enjoying. Like I said, I'm enjoying the battle mechanics. Considering, um, like with let's say Final Fantasy, etc., I always preferred you know the turn-based style of JRPGs. But with um, the Tales games, I don't mind the like free-flowing action where you know you control one character and then your uh, assisting characters kind of do their own thing. It's um, kind of like Final Fantasy but, 15 was a bit like that. I was kind of hesitant yeah. on that for RPGs as well. <clears throat> I think a game that really turned me around on that was um, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I really enjoyed the way that you could flip between each character and you can play as each character. You can even lead as each character if you want it, right? So instead of letting them go on their own, they would do their own thing while you were playing with one character, right? But you can switch to them, and if you want, like the way that when you do magic attacks or when you do like a command, uh, it slows the gameplay to about a stop. 
and you can go to each character. So like you can like almost simultaneously play with all the characters in your party. You know, Steph, it... I, I, I couldn't hear you for like two minutes just then. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now, but I couldn't hear you for about two minutes. No, I'm sorry. So just to repeat, sorry, listeners, but I was just saying the Final Fantasy VII Remake was the thing that turned me around on playing like uh, RPGs without the turn base. Mm-hmm. Because the gameplay was so good and the way that you can play with all the characters simultaneously through like yeah. being able to switch between each character, do commands and stuff like that brought an interesting dynamic to the strategy as well mm-hmm. as like the boss fights were so intense. Like Final Fantasy VII Remake is definitely a standout, especially for like um, game mechanics wise, like just one of the top RPGs that I've played in, in recent years that I've yeah. really, really enjoyed. And so Tales, from what you're telling me, and I, I was watching some of your gameplay and it reminded me a bit more about Final Fantasy fifteen. Fifteen, mm. you only play as the one character. The other characters, you can kind of like have them do certain commands or whatever, but really they just mm. operate on their own and you play as your guy and that's kind of yeah. it. So it, with, te- with Tales, you can switch between the characters as you, as you fight. I just prefer to use that main character because that's the one like I've done, you know, I've served as my main character. I know his movesets. I know what I want him to do. Uh, and I would rather the CPU play as the additional characters. Um, and also just like, you can set up to automatic mode where the computer plays all the characters for you. And, you know, that's always a, you know, let's say you've got a grind and you don't want to actually physical play, you can just set up, go into battles, and then you just watch it play out, which is pretty cool. Um, this is, you know, a, a step up since the last uh, Tales that I played. I think the last one I might have played was uh, Tales of Vesperia, or maybe the one after that. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I would highly recommend it. Um, as of all JRPGs, I think, like, the main story in itself might be only maybe, like, 50 to 70 hours long but you know there's like a new game plus and there's you know a million side missions some hidden bosses uh stuff like that so Mm. if you are into rpgs jrpgs i would highly recommend it um okay the other thing that i I had been playing which i'm not i haven't played in the last like maybe week or so is a pokemon unite on the switch Mm. Uh, it's basically a mobile using uh pokemon um uh legends in a sense um it's fun it's easy to pick up um the only negative i'll have on that is obviously with the whole switch and the system is the fact that you can't you know have a it's not got its own built-in like party chat but mm-hmm. i guess in the world where literally anyone that's in a sense a real game or, or you know is in the gaming community has a discord so you, you know you can just invite your friends on discord and just chat through there which will negate some of the issues. Um, but it's a fun little game. Um, and again, it's free, very easy to start. The, the tutorial is very well done. Um, I'm not someone that, you know, is the biggest fan of, um, let's say, mobiles like League of Legends because, you know, some of the matches can take long. Um, I want to say these are done in 10 minutes. So, you know, very quick, very fast paced. Um, there's even a quick option where you can have matches that only take like four minutes, three minutes. Um, so yeah, if you've got a Nintendo Switch, uh, I would definitely recommend you pick up Pokemon Unite as well. All right, that's what's up, man. That's good. Um, so for me, I've been playing, um, <clears throat> uh, started getting into go. Well, 
Dark Souls, I've beaten Black Dragon Calamite, which I know Aaron mm-hmm. has stated is like, oh, this is the hardest boss in that game and all this kind of stuff. So I actually was able to knock him out with my Soul Level 1 run. So I was happy about that. And I've kind of taken a pause on that for a minute. Uh, I'm still kind of tinkering. I started messing with one of the other bosses, but like I'm kind of wanting to break on that for a bit because I've been doing it for a while. And so I started playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima. And that's a, a really outstanding game. Uh, I'm still kind of in the first phase of it. I'm doing it on uh, lethal mode, which is the hardest difficulty. You're supposed to die in about one or two hits. But um, yeah. it, it definitely seems to be doing what uh, I think God of War did in its harder difficulties when I played it there. The beginning part of the game could be pretty grueling because you die very easily by almost everything, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. as you level up and keep going, and, and this happens in a lot of games that are like hard difficulties, right? Like you get certain like boosts to stats, armor, weapons, and all that, and it starts leveling the playing field where the, it's not as hard anymore. Even though you're facing up like bigger enemies and stuff like that, like you can survive hits, you know, you can you know <clears throat> do a little more to 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 make your run. So uh, I'm actually starting to breeze through it a bit more now and, and, and be doing a little better with it. So uh, Ghost is pretty cool. Um, the Medium is another game that I started playing. It's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a different game. It's definitely not anything hard mode or anything about it. It's more like a point-and-click game. Okay. type thing where you basically you know you go through areas and you look for stuff and solve puzzles that kind of thing there's not really a gameplay yeah. mechanic to it as far as like fighting enemies and stuff like that and it's more about a girl who um she finds that she has a power to be a medium between the living and the dead and yeah. um her she puts her dad uh or like her i think it's like her adopted father or whatnot to rest and, like, you kind of go through that experience of even having an interaction with him in the dead world. You go into that plane. And uh, it's weird. Everybody in the world of the dead wears a mask on their face. Like, a because okay. it, it was weird because, like, they were talking and I didn't see any mouth movements at first. And I was like, that's weird because I didn't really get a good look at the face initially. And then, like, I saw, like, oh, that's like a mask plastered to their face. And it's like, oh, that's why their mouths aren't moving. Because they're talking, but you can't see because their mouths are covered by this weird mask on people who have died. So, um, but, like, her mouth, of course, moves and stuff. You see her face. So she puts him down. And I think he was the only one who really knew about or was helping her deal with this weird ability she had because it kind of haunts her a bit. Because, you know, it's a creepy world. Whenever you see the world of the dead, it's really, you know, strange. Well, she gets a phone call from somebody, a guy named Thomas, and tells her to come to this, like, old abandoned, like, uh, I think it's like a hotel, and uh, come out here, you know, he knows about her abilities and stuff like that and, you know, needs her help or whatnot. So reluctantly she goes and you find out like this place, there's rumors that this place has been shut down because like a shit ton of people died in some kind of accident or something that happened. But it's like, it's a mystery. Nobody really knows exactly what happened. So as she comes to, she's able to, you know, find different items and stuff on the ground. And it has echoes of like the past of those who have died. 
And she realized, oh, yeah, the, the rumors are true. A ton of people did die here. There's a lot of weird fucked up shit going on. And apparently the person who called her may not be in the living anymore either. So she's like, oh, shit, no, like, that's what you're kind of discovering. So there's this whole mystery that you're uncovering. And it looked like it was made by people in Poland. Because there's definitely okay. some of the terminology and stuff like that you can tell is definitely from Europe somewhere. The way they they talk or they mention things. Um, I've noticed, hell, I've noticed it from your diet. Like you, the way you speak or say things, like I was like, oh, that's kind of close to what they're saying. But they're not from the UK. I'm pretty sure it's Polish. Mm -hmm. And there was actually okay. a bit of talk about some of the, because apparently it was some kind of government orchestrated type of like housing. There's like, I say it's like a hotel, but it definitely was something of that ilk, but not quite. I guess it's something yeah. that it might be hard for me to understand because I don't think it's a very common thing in, in, in America. It's something that more mm -hmm. relates to, you know, that that country. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating so far. But, again, there's no, like, gameplay to it per se. It's more just finding shit, Different puzzles and stuff like that. So, so far the puzzles haven't been too difficult. There's been some instances where I got stuck at for a minute, but, you know, I figured it out. But there's nothing, like, too crazy with the puzzles yet. But I'm still, I think, in the early odds of the game. I heard it got really yeah. good ratings. It's called The Medium. So if you're into something like that, it's more of like a horror-type game. Um, but it's, you know, definitely like a slower pace. It's not going to be something you die a lot in. It's more something that you just kind of read the journals you find listen and you know listen to dialogue stuff and piece together like an interesting story that the game's trying to tell uh made from some people in poland so um i, I would say definitely check that game out if that's your if that's your jam is that what you're into you know Yo, I'm a bitch. I don't play horror games, so I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. There's like a weird, creepy girl uh, that comes up to you when you first get in there, and she says her name is Sadness, and she's like missing an arm, and she's got that fucking mask on her face, so you can't even see her mouth move. But she's like playing hide and seek with you, and and asking you to find someone. Like it's a it's a weird. This chick's kind of weird. She like pops up yeah. in fucking mirrors and it's like, oh shit, oh, you're right there in the mirror. <laughs> like, I just walked by here and didn't see you. And then I walked by the thing again and she's just sitting in the mirror. It's like, oh fuck. So there's like little shit like that. Some little jump scare stuff. It's pretty good. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, but it can be slow paced. And there's been points where some yeah. of the puzzling and stuff like that, it's not as. Um, I say it's a puzzling, but it's like it's it's weird. It's like I get lo I get like stuck, like trying to find where the next area to go. And it could be something as dumb as just like, oh, I forgot I had this insight ability, and it highlights something that I need to press. And so I'm like looking yeah. around the whole time trying to find something, and not realizing that it's just something like that. And it's just these dumb things I do. And sometimes it could be like, all right, I'm kind of done playing this game right now. So that's kind of mm -hmm. the, the bad with it. Sometimes it can, can get a little. You know, if, if if it's not clipping at a good enough pace, you get stuck somewhere, you can get bored with it kind of quick, I think. It's one of those games you yeah. kind of got to stick with. So, And um, the last thing I've played so far is Hades. Hades mm -hmm. has been really good. Um, definitely if you like, like Greek mythology, stuff like that, they definitely play a lot with like different, you know, people and... Yeah, the you know, you're playing with Hades, your Hades' son who's trying to escape out of Hades. 
and you know you get help from different gods and stuff like that and it's like a roguelike where you basically you start and you try to get out through these different levels and every time you die you start all the way back from the beginning but you can constantly yeah. build up your character level up your character so that these runs are not as hard as they were the first time you played and that's pretty cool yeah so then you can end up beating Hades at the end so uh, I think it was it came out for PC initially and it finally came to consoles just recently so um, definitely yeah it's on Xbox Game Pass yes it's on Xbox Game Pass it was on PC for a while and I think it's like 20, 30 I think it's like 30 bucks twenty nine ninety nine on PlayStation Network so yeah Game Pass for Xbox 30 buck purchase for PlayStation so um, but yeah man I think that about does it. Some recommendations of stuff we've been playing. Um, Nana, why don't you go ahead and shout out your Blurred or Us crew and what you want to plug, and we'll go ahead and shut it down. Yeah, man. So we're generally a weekly podcast that covers movie reviews. We talk anime, TV shows, latest movies. Uh, sometimes we talk about life and anything interesting has happened. Uh, definitely come check us out. Uh, I also stream as well on Twitch. Uh, you can find us on twitch.tv forward slash Blurs Are Us. Uh, come and say hello. I'm normally playing a JRPG or, you know, Naruto or just whatever really floats my boat at the time. Um, if more people can come on and interact with me, then the better the streams will be. But yeah, that's pretty much it. That's it. Yeah, go ahead, check them out. And of course, me, it's Sammy Savage 88 uh, Appreciate some of the people who have jumped on and watched. Nana, you like to lurk with me, and I do appreciate that as well. Um, oh, yeah. yeah lurk or uh, chat it's whatever whatever um, of course uh, who's next podcast uh, next episode should be one with my guys Jerome, Renee, Patrick we'll be chopping up some Shang-Chi definitely a lot of positive vibes from that we all really like the movie so um, it'll it'll definitely be a glowing review I'll tell you that much for sure um, Kev you know I hope the best for you and uh, hopefully we get get you back in doing some stuff with us real soon until then i uh, appreciate some of the guests um again patrick might be coming in to be more of a guest uh Senya's already lined up i appreciate her jumping in to help out and hopefully i can get uh, a few more people to just help these gaming episodes go along a bit so nice 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 all right we're out of here peace peace